Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Uh, hello, audience of uh, <laughs> potentially one or two people. Um, uh, you know, audiences will grow, I'm sure. Um, hello, uh, I'm Paul Ritalik, that's my name, and I uh, currently live in Newcastle. I'm a, a, a postgraduate philosophy student. Um, and I am married, uh, and I love films, and uh, my best friend is a person named Cameron McKeever, who is on the other end of, uh, uh, of this conversation, uh, who also happens to love films. Uh, what do you want to say about yourself, Cameron? Well, after a glowing introduction, um, <laughs> I, well, like Paul said, my name is Cameron McKeever, um, best friends to Paul. Um, I live in Birmingham, huge nerd, massive geek. Um, I, I can uh, I can back that one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I um, uh, I studied film at A level. Um, I I work uh, as an L and D developer um, in Birmingham for the government, and. Um, we are going to be on undefined basises, bases, bases. I guess um, bases would technically be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we'd be delivering these podcasts, reviewing films and the film industry, and hopefully sharing some insights um, on our blog, Critics on a Bus. Yes. Critics on yes. a Bus. Do you, do you want me to explain the context of that name? Yes, please. You tell the okay. story so well. Uh, so, uh, it was a, uh, relatively cold, dark evening, uh, in Birmingham and, uh, Cameron and myself had just seen a film and that film was, what was it? Can you remember what the film was? I feel like it was Infinity War. Do you know what? I, like, yeah, do, that sounds right because it was only you and I, and I'm pretty yeah. certain Hannah was away doing exams in Norway. So, uh, Yes. So we were on the bus ride back um, after watching Infinity War and we were having a a, a very deep, very intense, probably too loud conversation about Infinity War, uh, discussing uh, deeply all of the different good and bad parts and uh, critic reviews of it and all sorts. Uh, And there was a young woman sat behind us who... Uh, interrupted our conversation and uh, very flatteringly asked us if we were professional film critics of some sort. Unfortunately, neither of us were kind of um, devious enough to uh, say yes and then continue to pretend that that was the case. Uh, But we we, uh, confessed that no, we weren't. Um, However, uh, we then had a good conversation with her and whatnot. But we we were both so flattered by this that we thought, do you know what, maybe, maybe uh, this random young woman on the bus is uh, onto something. Maybe we should share our intense, long discussions with the world. So yeah. thus, so we convince random people on buses. We might be able to convince random people on the internet as well. Yep, there are plenty of those. <laughs> um, a lot of also extra context is I used to, and I still do run a film blog, um, which we probably will repurpose for this podcast. So we will also mm-hmm. write of films that we don't talk about in podcasts. Um, 
run by both of us. Um, it will be under rebranding. So we'll in a, a future podcast, we will give everyone the details of its web address and everything. So we're hitting the busy season of this year. Um, it's Oscar season. We Oscar season. We had a very quiet summer, to be honest with you. After yeah, much too quiet. Yeah. After, after the Avengers and all the Marvel films died out, um, cinema has been quite quiet um, over the summer. Mm, but the one seen. film that we were looking forward to, and the one that really inspired us to start the blog, was Joker. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so I. Uh, I want to think about leading up to Joker. What were your thoughts on the whole premise of the film being a DC dark film, not ex- not attached to the DCU, and just the concept of it generally? What were your thoughts about the whole film? Uh, so it's it's no news to you, uh, and I'm sure that uh, and you're in the same boat, and I'm sure plenty of people were as well. But uh, ultimately, I was I was approaching this film with deep levels of skepticism um i i know from speaking to you that you were too i know from speaking to other people that they were too i uh when we both i remember when you first sent me the trailer for this and uh i remember having a discussion with you saying (sighs) the entire idea of a a an origin film for the joker seems a bit redundant or and even potentially detrimental to the character because one of the beauties of uh, the Joker as a character is uh, the ambiguity surrounding his origins. Um, yes. I, so many people, I, I've, I've, I've looked at tons of reviews of this film since it came out online and the quote that keeps resurfacing, I don't even, I can't even tell you which comic it's from, but uh, the quote is something to the effect of, it's the Joker saying, when it comes to my past, when it comes to my origins, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Um, uh, yeah, and like Heath Ledger does that in The Dark Knight. Precisely, Every no, exactly. Star is is completely different. Exactly, and that's part of the yeah. beauty of the character, and that's 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 so so. There was that deep, deep skepticism just in the the very idea of Joker origin movie. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to say any more about that, but 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 that we both openly expressed that when we saw trailers, right? Yeah, I mean, I think for me initially, when I heard they were making a Joker film, I was ecstatic because for those of you listening, I am a massive Joker fan. Um, massive. I think, he is, I think he's probably perhaps the greatest villain ever created in, on, on the face of the earth. Um, I cosplay him. I, you know, I revere the performance of Heath Ledger um, as one of the single greatest performances in cinematic history. Um, I collect all the pop vinyls, like everything about the Joker is something I just, obviously don't admire his violence or his his chaos, but (laughs) of of a character development and just a character portrayal in a fictional world, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's an absolute fantastic hero. So when I heard about a Joker film, I was immediately excited. I'll admit when they announced Joaquin Phoenix, I was like, who? Um, which kind of, I understand it's semi-psychologist in the in the film world. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, the guy from Gladiator. Meh, take it or leave it really for me. Um, That's then, interesting. I, I, I don't know if we ever discussed yeah. that. I, I, yeah. Because of course, as, as a simple kind of, uh, kind of, um, 
expedition of the internet will will, will tell you, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I hope I'm saying that right, um, is uh, he's kind of like the the people's actor. He like like there are so many people who like think of him as this indie sort of symbol of pure acting and of you know big, he's kind of almost like Keanu Reeves but less less well known and renowned um does that does that make sense I I, I just get that sense yeah, that he's, yeah. he's very much liked because he's kind of non-threatening he's very talented he hasn't done anything massively controversial uh you know uh, so he's he's quite liked so I know that quite a lot, quite a lot of people were excited when he was chosen um but I yeah yeah I was when I read the name I was like who the heck is what like Jacqueline Phoenix and, you know, <laughs> Phoenix, but like I I was so like and I was so like mm, I I don't really see it I don't really get the appeal of having Joaquin in this role I don't know who I wanted in the role but yeah for me the the casting in, initially was a bit like wow that's a shot in the dark frankly interesting um, and the and the more I learned about the film, the less excited I was. Because, mm. like you said, I am someone who believes that one of the great powers of the Joker as a character is the fact that behind the makeup, he could be anybody. Mm. What makes him scary as a character is the fact that, um, you know, in in the great Killing Joke storyline is that he tries to break people with one bad day, and the fact is that anyone in society could be the Joker. Um, aside from, say, the Dark Knight version where it's got physical scars, when it's the painted makeup and the painted smile, it could be that that is just, you know, Joe Blog from down the street, three doors down, who is snapped. Um, and so I didn't like the idea of giving him an origin. Uh, I'll be as we move forward just kind of uh um preempting uh, certain things but i'll be interested to know how you feel about that now after watching the film because of course that very theme this theme of anyone could be the joker uh, does come up so I'll, I'll be interested to uh interested to discuss uh yeah to discuss that yeah, i guess just, i guess we should say before we go further is that uh, you should be listening to this if you've seen the film or if you yeah. don't care about because we will be talking about the film what we thought and we're going into plot details so if you haven't seen the film and you want to be surprised by the ending um pause it go watch the film it's only two hours long and then come back after two hours and continue on with because we will be we will be detailing spoilers in all if, our podcasts when we review films. Yes. <laughs> if we are going to uh, start podcasting and if we are going to start um publicizing this then then that's something we really need to get good at isn't it uh spoiler warning that's <laughs> kind of essential something minutes into the podcast now it's just spoiler warning if yeah video, it will be at the beginning or in the description so yeah yeah description uh make sure <laughs> something like that's in the description um yeah okay so good good okay so heavy heavy skepticism from both of us uh particularly on your part because of how much you love the character going into uh, this and also the the main kind of issue that we both had was this idea of giving the Joker an origin story because one of his most appealing um, character traits or one of the most appealing things about him is that he has ambiguous origins and because of that uh, and because of you know uh, the the whole man behind the makeup 
thing. Um, he could technically be anyone uh, who has snapped, who has had a bad day. Um, so the, those were our general general thoughts going in. Um, anything else? Any other impressions? Because I remember I remember messaging you um, when I think it was the second trailer or something like that came out. Or maybe it's uh, I can't remember. One of the later trailers came out, and um, and just saying I I still don't know what I'm I don't know what what I'm getting from this from the trailer. I I, I it was weird because the trailer had content and it, it it you'd think okay now I can form an opinion, but I I was still skeptical and still thought to myself I I I, I still don't know what to think about this uh, this entire kind of enterprise here um yeah. i don't know if you have any other thoughts on that on the lead up i think for me it's not even the the trailers were interesting and it you know it, it piqued my interest especially the look they decided to go with with mm. joaquin's joker but i think for me the real big issue the whole issue around the entire the entire structure of the film was the state of the dceu which is the dc right yeah because they had failed in every one but one film, which is, of course, Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, and even that, that Wonder Woman wasn't, you know, the best film in the DC, you know, the best film. Um, because East, the DC was in such a state and, mm. you know, they're toing and froing about whatever they're doing. They're rebooting this and rebooting that and changing this and changing that. And, you know, I mean, we've got the whole Zack Snyder cut of Justice League movement at the moment or Batman vs Superman. I was very skeptical because I didn't want DC to ruin <laughs> to ruin the character. Right. You know, they butchered Batman vs Superman. They made a mess of the Justice League, and I was very and you know, uh, let's not talk about Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> and and they made a mess of that, and I was like. Oh. I get that you're trying to make standalone versions of the film that are dark, that are separated, but you've messed things up, you know. You know, Yondon messed up a DC, and so <laughs> I didn't want to do that. So I was just scared because the state of the films have been rubbish up until now. Yeah. And Agreed, so yeah. I, was just, I was really nervous about making a bad Joker. Of course, and those were clear as for all the reasons that you've explained. I mean, those were clearly uh, justified fears. Um, I, 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 I don't. Again, I don't know who would uh, who would be listening to this podcast, but I would imagine that the majority of you out there, if you're into films, are are likely um, critical of the current state of the DCEU. Um, if you're not, if you're an enthusiastic uh, lover of Batman vs Superman and the Justice League and Suicide Squad, then uh, or just one of those three or two of those three, then that is perfectly within your rights. Uh, we're here because we have opinions, and you're welcome to have your own opinions. But um, but but even if you are, you must acknowledge the fact that the majority of people are um, not happy <laughs> with. Uh, with the the current kind of state of it um, there, so uh, and we are some of those people, as Cameron just explained. Um, so yeah, again, so that was a, just one more reason to uh, be skeptical of this film. Going in thinking the track record for the past few years isn't great. Now they're yep. touching such a such a 
a fantastic, important character, um, the likelihood that they mess it up based on re- like previous years is is pretty high. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then going off the um, pre-release, so we've we've both seen the film. We both saw it on opening weekend, Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but going up to the film. Um, the media response around the whole film was hot and cold. So it got like... It really was, minutes, wasn't it? Is it? Was it eight minutes standing ovation in Venice? Uh, Toronto, right? Um, Toronto, yeah. So at, at one of the big film festivals, it got a yeah. huge standing ovation. It got like... Out, straight out of the box, it got massive um, praise for mm-hmm. its character development and its story, and people loved it. And then it seemed to flip almost... Um, overnight into this this film is too violent this film you know is terrifying and disturbing um and you know there's always you know joaquin was walking off set of interviews and all these sort of like negative responses just kind of sort of start flying out of the media and i don't you know i'm not going to say i believe any of them because it's it's obviously the state of media these days mm-hmm. um but in the build-up to just seeing this, and just in the week build-up to seeing this film, I know I was texting you quite a lot. We we're always mm-hmm. kind of checking on how it's been received, and I was I w- I had no idea what to feel because half the time I was like, "Man, this film is going to be unbelievable!" Like straight away, you know, one the second, third, you know, superhero film with a, with an Oscar in it after Dark Knight and Black Panther. You know, we're heading into the the golden age, and then two days later, we're like, "Man." people are boycotting and claiming this is going to ruin society mm. so in just in the just the the big build-up to the opening day no one i seemed i guess no one was sure how it was going to be received because it was literally like marmite we split the world in two in terms of who thinks it's great and who thinks it's violent and should be banned from existence Absolutely. I I think you've described all of that fantastically. There really was this kind of this grand dichotomy in the (laughs) in in the world of film critics where, like you say, uh, I I didn't really come across any particularly lukewarm uh, reviews. I'm sure they're out there, but it seemed like everything was either this is uh, nothing short of a masterpiece or this is a, a dangerous um, you know, malconceived bit of cinema that no one should uh, watch, and uh, you know is in some sense morally reprehensible. And and um, and I'm sure as as we talk about the actual actual film itself, uh, we'll go into a lot more about what has been said. Um, I have a lot of opinions about um, the people who claim that it's it's a dangerous film, who claim that it's um, it's irresponsible. I think that they're com- completely ungrounded. Um, I-, I don't know. Do you want to go into that now? Or, or I mean, it's going to come up anyway. I yeah. Let's just let's just talk about the film now. Let's I think. talk about the film, and then we'll come into yeah. that. I think we're ready. I think we're ready. So at this point, I would just want to stress: spoilers ahead. Yeah, major spoilers. Uh, absolutely spoilers. We will be going in from our thoughts about the film. I've had I saw it on Friday, so I've had three days to really think about it. I've talked to a lot of people who've seen it. Um, we've not discussed it before. 
um, because the, the format of this podcast is almost we're trying to make it very free-flowing so generally the first time of our deep analysis of the film will be here yeah. um to try to make it as kind of natural and real as possible for everyone listening so everything you hear will be our first discussion about the film it's killed us believe me because normally we could just talk to <laughs> the minute the last one leaves the cinema however it's the second <laughs> discuss it on the way home so it's killed us to wait this long but um i think let's talk about the film itself yeah very briefly uh, as already mentioned this film uh, the real star of the show is joaquin phoenix um it's directed by Todd Phillips, who famously directed The Hangover, which we won't go into, but I think they're disgusting films, but um, we can uh, (laughs) go into that some other time. Um, (laughs) Disgusting, not just the content, but just the whole, uh, it's just, they're awful. But but anyway, so uh, uh, the film follows um, uh, Arthur Fleck, uh, who is a... Uh, very openly, very clearly mentally ill individual um, uh, who is um, a middle-aged man in Gotham City. Uh, He lives in uh, very poor circumstances with his mum and he works initially as a clown who holds a sign outside of, I believe it was a music shop, um, to encourage people to come into the shop. Uh, And uh, throughout the film, we watch as uh, Arthur feels more and more kicked down by society, uh, by people above him, whether that's the people that he works for, whether that's um, people who uh, don't accept him in society because of how different he is. And uh, slowly his bitterness grows, his uh, mental illness uh kind of uh, begins to uh, express itself uh, more and more um, until eventually by the end uh, we have a character that we would um, identify as uh, the Joker. And so all of those uh, factors kind of bubble up uh, and then there are certain defining things that either happen to him or that he does uh, that then um, ultimately lead him to take on this whole other um, persona um, that that we can call the Joker. Okay, so my thoughts um, really in uh, about about the film is first of all, and you'll see it from the very beginning. We meet Arthur Fleck, and he is far from the Joker. Yeah, that's he, fair. He's 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 a long way away from the character that we've come to see, mm-hmm. um, and I think that. Um, the the film takes a long, long, long look at getting us to that point where we want to see the Joker. I'd say it's shot very beautifully. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's shot pretty uh, nicely. Yeah, even from the even you know even from the beginning, you know, with just the, the staging and the the feel of Gotham, because mm-hmm. it is set in Gotham. Um, the, the feel of Gotham. It's shot very very well and. You know, they really do portray the downtroddenness of Gotham and his state of mind. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. That's one of the things that I really would praise about the film is that consistent visual theme to it of, you know, the majority of it takes place in poorer, more downtrodden areas of Gotham. There's graffiti everywhere. There's 
uh, stuff that doesn't function. It, it's, and also it's set quite a few decades ago as well. And so it's, it's, it's got this really kind of consistent sheen to it that, that, um, that really does, in my opinion, generate quite, quite an atmosphere. Um, so yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Good. We're starting off with a, with a good, uh, with a compliment, um, (laughs) of the film. (laughs) Throughout the film, I always struggled with the idea of like, I was always waiting for something to happen. Right. Um, I get and and I get um, that you know this is a character developed film. Absolutely mm-hmm. understand that. The whole point is that we meet Arthur Fleck, and we end the film with the Joker. Mm-hmm. And there is a process to get from Fleck to Joker, and I and I completely understand that. But I just think that it took so long mm. to get to a point where. We saw the Joker, and, and now yes, I see the merits of the fact that you want to be invested in the character, and I'm all about investment, and I'm all about story-driven personalities and and development. Um, and some of it was my resetting my own expectations. Um, but you know, the, the the path to to Joker really does start on the with the the murders on the train. Mm-hmm. Um. And of course, it all stems from that attack at the very beginning of the film, where he gets beaten up by the kids, um, kicked to the ground, smashed with the the, the the sign on his face, which leads to his friend giving him the gun, the other clowns that he works with, and that kind of, you know, escalates and builds the whole and provides the situation and sets the scene. Um, I just think that for my my thoughts and feelings on the Joker that it was too much of a slow burn to get to that point mm. and that w- what it didn't provide was enough time to revel in the chaos of the Joker I feel like when it finished I could have done with another 45 minutes to an hour of just him just going at it you know just really kind of causing chaos and carnage and all that kind of wonderful stuff that the Joker does I don't know yeah, what you think about No, okay. So uh, I think it's something very, very important to make here clear here before I comment on that is that I, I, I get the sense from the minimal ex- like communication that we've had and from this podcast and everything that we, we, bo- we have slightly different um, impressions about this film. I get the sense that I perhaps liked it more than you did and would praise it more than you perhaps would. And I respect the fact that I am the less joker loving party here in in general (laughs) in that you have a lot more investment in the character um and there are things that you would probably pick up that i perhaps wouldn't because i'm not that well acquainted with joker uh law um (laughs) and uh i i i don't know previous batman films as well as you do and and so forth but 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 there are two things that I, i feel like you're saying here and i agree with both of them one uh was that general pacing of the film was a bit slow and i think that's that's a completely fair comment that there were quite a few times where i was i would kind of sigh a little bit and just be like come on like <laughs> you know get on with it like come on next scene or you know or you know it would just take too long to kind of to it or or you something would seem like it was making a point um but then 
and didn't. It, 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 it just wouldn't. And then it would. Uh, so I, 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 that's one thing. Pacing, definitely. And I agree with you that, that the pacing could have been better. I feel like it, it. Yeah, it could have been cut down. But then secondly, and I agree with you with, uh, on this as well, uh, is that when you think about an, an origin movie, take something like Batman Begins or even Wonder Woman or, or Iron Man. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lot more natural to show the build-up, show the character development to uh, the, the main character becoming whoever it is that they're going to become, but and then also to have a solid amount of time left in the film to show them being that person. Um, yeah. where, and I think that that's a very fair comment that you had, which is, um, you know, uh, it, it, it ends where most other films that would be around about halfway to two thirds through the film. And then you expect to see the flourishing of that character now that they've taken on this new role. So it would be like Batman begins ending uh, when uh, Batman is down by the docks uh, and he says, I'm Batman to Falcone. Yeah. And then that would be the yeah. end. It's kind of like, wait, wait, no, no. I want to then see what he goes on to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So I think that's a fair criticism. Fair criticism. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So something I did like, and it's something that I think the film really needed to do in order to sell it to me as an average Joker fan mm-hmm. is the fact is, and, and I've discovered more of this as I thought about the film, as I've talked about it with other people is the fact that, this is where we get into real spoilers is what in the film is real and what's not yes 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 um and i was reading something from todd phillips um who directed the film um in that the fact is so the first time he sees a therapist which is not long after the opening scene he sees his therapist um and she's talking about his journal, you know, his joke diary and his journal where he has all his his dark thoughts of which he, he only has dark thoughts and he keeps his jokes, which aren't very funny. Um, there is a flash cut to him banging his head against a door in an asylum. Did you notice that? Yes. And, it, and he's dressed in white and the asylum is white. And, yes. Um, and, the asylum yeah. white. and that is a huge thing into the ending of the film where. It's um, it's um, hinted at that he just killed the therapist in the asylum, who looks very much like his therapist in real life or yes. in his reality, whichever mm-hmm. whichever version you're inclined to, um, you know, and leaves the bloody trail and is kind of chased by the orderlies and stuff like that. Um, and that's the and and that's one of the big kind of like things of oh maybe this is a version of his story maybe this is uh just one of his potential storylines one of his potential jokes on life that even he doesn't know where he comes from Mm -hmm. you know that he 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 just is the joker and he he and he he believes that persona of himself because that is who he is so much that he doesn't know where it is and it's all just a joke to him and it's all just kind of comedy and he just revels in the chaos and the chaos of his mind and so I think if they hadn't done that if they hadn't have made 
the ending and the the subtle links in between the films, such like his um, uh, air quoted girlfriend in the film, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, if she wasn't wasn't there, if he wasn't wasn't his girlfriend, you know, did after the train murders, did he sleep with her? Probably not. Was she never there in in all the situations? Was she at the comedy club? Was she in the hospital with his mother? Did he kill her? You know, was she terrified that he was in the hotel, in in her apartment, sorry, because she has no idea who he is. He's just the crazy guy on the elevator who did gun fingers at her after, afterwards. You know, if they hadn't have done that, I would have been disappointed because it would have made, like, they would have almost tried to canonize a version of the Right, genre. yeah. And I, I, I just couldn't have that. And, and because they provided such a scope for what isn't isn't real in this film mm-hmm. really helps sell it to me as a this is what he would do this is him just telling a version of his origin to himself to his therapist to anyone who is listening and i think in that sense they got the right kind of thing of the joker right there right i know i i couldn't agree with you more on this i i that is a note that they hit that they just had to hit if they wanted people to like it. And, and that note was leaving open the window of ambiguity and uh, potential with regards to his um, background. Like you say, this isn't a, a kind of official canon, um, you know, uh, set in stone origin story. They do open that, that window kind of to, oh, okay, this could be real, this could not... Um, that bit of it could be, that bit could not. And I, I think that was very important um, space for the film to concede. Um, what, what, what interests me, though, about that is... Because um, you have a number of things throughout the film uh, that, um, that seem, like, seem like they could go either way, but are more likely than not the one way so yeah so you start off one of the early scenes is him kind of daydreaming whilst he's watching the murray show um about being on the show and then murray having him come up on stage and talking to him about how much of a son he is and then they make it when they cut to then him just watching the tv that same evening they make that very they make it very clear that that is a daydream i don't think there's any ambiguity about that instance right um Then, of course, they have this whole ordeal with his, uh, like you say, air quotes, girlfriend, um, where it seems like, you know, oh, he's um, with her um, very quickly after a very short encounter, like you say. Um, But then he, you know, is in her apartment later and uh, she doesn't seem to know who he is. And again, that one, perhaps that one's a bit more open than the whole Murray thing. But again, I'm, I'm very much inclined to think, OK, no, he wasn't actually with um, with her. But then, yeah, of I mean, course, did you question it at any point in the film? I, I, I did. Yeah, well, at least I, I didn't go as far as to think um, this isn't real. But when he when he kills the people in Subway and then he he dances in the bathroom and then goes and 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 makes out with her and. Uh, in the apartment, I there was a definite part of me that kind of stepped outside of the film and said, "That's that's weird. Yeah. That's that 
that's unlikely. That's and I thought it was just a poor yeah. film decision. I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I mean, if we we focus on her for a moment. By the way, she is fantastic in the film, and she's yeah. um she's she's, a, she's a short time, star. but she's good. Yeah, yeah. she's def- she's up becoming star. She is in Deadpool too. Um, yes, but you know, like when she's in the film, and then say for example, when he's stalking her one day, um, after he loses his job, so after he drops his gun in the children's hospital, and then he follows her for a day, I for one thought he was going to kill her then. Interesting. Um, because because of the way it was built up, you know, he was, you know, stalking her through her her whole her whole day. The music was building up. He's always hooded. Mm. Um, I I I thought he was going to um, kill her or do something um, unforgivable to her, um, and, and violate her in some way. Um, just because of the way it was it was right. set up, and he obviously didn't, and and then you know they have that kind of flirtation which like were you following me he's like yeah and they, you know they they all kind of made that kind of very nonchalant violent you know joke about violence and the whole kind of relationship happened and it never occurred to me that apart from going to see her after he murdered three people yeah that anything wasn't real until the moment that she's terrified that he's in his flat in her right. flat because he thought he could be when he shouldn't have been. Right. Um, so that I think was done really well because I mean, maybe I'm I'm losing my touch, but I just didn't see the potential false connections. No, I, I, I and I, I was the same as you. I, 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 like I say, it was it was much more. Oh, that's. Um... That's weird, particularly like you say when he when he he goes to her after he's murdered the three people on the on the subway. I was just like, there's something queer about that, but I don't, I, I don't know how to, you know, put my finger on it. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I um, but I I but I went on and then I just kind of sort of accepted it as kind of like a weird part of the film. But like you say, when when you know they were when she then goes and watches him, um performance jokes and and when she's there with him when his mum's in the hospital all of that i had kind of gotten over that and was just like okay i guess she's sort of this um this girlfriend of his uh so then it still was something of a shock when um when it then turned out that he most likely was actually um sort of uh imagining this then when we think about the end and we think about him there in the asylum uh, speaking with a the therapist who looks suspiciously like his previous therapist, um, and he's laughing to himself and and says that he's thought of a joke and that um, she wouldn't get it, and then appears to murder her. Um, I, I very much got the impression, at least the how I would interpret the situation was, like you said, that he was recounting this story about his past that was this, um, that, that was the contents of the entire film. Um, that's, the, that's the impression I got. And that, that subsequently, because he was recounting it, uh, there might have been inaccuracies, inconsistencies, embellishments, or the whole thing. I, I, I don't like the idea that the whole thing was just like uh, completely false, but it leaves open that idea, I feel. It leaves you know, like, 
open enough the idea that it was. And for people who like the idea that Joker would go to that extent, then they can just, they actually do get the joke that he claims the therapist doesn't get. And they can have a good laugh to themselves and think that's the, that's the kind of the, the rabbit being pulled out of the hat of the film. That's kind of like the, the, the prestige. That's kind of like, you know, um, and, and that's fine. But I, I personally got the sense that, no, what, what this was, was him recounting a story to his therapist. And because of that, the story itself, the very nature of it, to be honest, it, like there might be inconsistencies, there might be um, uh, things that he's added in that are made up. They certainly play with that, with the whole girlfriend thing, with, you know, not knowing what's real and what's not and, um, and so forth. Um, but, and then when he was talking about the joke, I got the sense that that was him contemplating the fact that um, his uh, him inspiring people to rise up on that particular day, on that particular evening, resulted in the death of Bruce Wayne's parents, and that this therapy session perhaps takes place at a time when um, when he's maybe encountered Batman, and he then suddenly sees the irony in that. I don't know. Sorry, I'm going way too far into now the next topic, but but. I, that was my. That's how I sensed it. I don't know what your impressions were. I'm trying to trying to gather my thoughts here. Yeah, it's 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 a complex one. I I must. Uh, okay, can we just address right now as well that some of the uh, the the scathing reviews have claimed that this is a very two dimensional film and it's very just kind of straightforward. Oh, just, it is so yeah. complex. No, it no, and yeah, complex. and that's something that I feel like needs to be said and it needs to be respected. I don't think you can argue that this is a straightforward film um yeah. and that's no, a compliment no, that's no, that's a very much what, a compliment whatsoever this is not like your typical just like oh that's it you know the more yeah. i talk about it, the more i learn that man these things are difficult to get through like yeah there is there is so much to talk about and so much to see that mm. it's not as simple as you know just it's not black and blue mm-hmm at all and there's there's way more to go into than you think with the whole thing about the therapist and the the telling of the stories mm-hmm. is that the failed uh, comedian act is a version of the joker's origin that has been detailed a few times um okay. i mentioned previously the killing joke storyline yep. um i've i've I I've watched a lot of the I've read the books I've watched the comics I've read I've watched the 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 recently animated film starring Mark Hamill as the Joker and um the one one of those versions is you know he's a failed comedian and becomes the Red Hood and you know there's all those kind of things involved there and so what I was thinking whilst you're talking about the therapist scene, is that he could be telling the therapist another version of his version of his origin. Right. So, you know, <laughs> to, to conceptualize it, yeah. this could be him going through, you know, he tells the failed comedian story and tells the Red Hood version to someone else, right. to, to Batman, who he then goes and tells the failed comedian story as Arthur Fleck, to his therapist you know and so like this is uh, another version um of one of his versions 
of his origins. Do you know what? Having, it... having an understanding of the character and one of, the, you know, the failed comedian is one of the more popular versions of him, including that of Jack mm-hmm. Napier. Um, the, the, the failed comedian is like, what, why, why he's always laughing and why he tells jokes. So this could just be um, one of those kind of like, boom, here's another version of why I'm this way, you know. And, you know, you can imagine the therapist kind of writing, looking at her pad going, you know, two weeks ago he told me. Um, he told me that he was a failed comedian and that he was hired by a gang to wear this red helmet and purple cape and go and rob a place, um, you know, and, and he got injured and, and he got twisted. But now he's telling me that he was a failed comedian and um, was abused by society and Thomas Wayne and this and that, and, you know, and like, you know, and so like you could you could imagine a therapist in an asylum having notes and comparing notes in a session, listening to that story, and you know then he's laughing at her and he's like, "Why? Why is this so funny?" Like, and she's trying to understand mm-hmm. why he, you know, all these different kind of confusions are coming along and why she's kind of like bamboozling her with all these different stories, and then boom, he's attacked. She's dead. Mm. That's, I quite that's like that. That's how I see it as a as a version mm. of what I quite I quite like that. Um, yeah, I, I do you know what I, I <laughs> what would be cool about that would be that you could then have um, a number of these uh, Joker origin films, an entire franchise of him just retelling different versions of himself <laughs> and ending yeah. with him killing a therapist saying uh, oh i just thought of a joke oh you wouldn't get it and then that could be how they all end i i'm 100 percent certain that's not going to happen but no. um i like the, <laughs> the idea of it um <laughs> i like that interpretation I, I i would still be inclined to go to go with my own but that's the whole thing about interpretation and i feel i feel like all we're doing here is just highlighting a strength of the film in that you know you can have your thoughts on how it ends i can have mine uh, people listening to this can have their own, um, but there are few that that seem explicitly wrong, and um, that's to be applauded. The fact that they leave those windows open, uh, very important, very good, fantastic. Like, yeah, definitely a, a praiseworthy element of of the film. Yeah, I got. I was very nervous during the rain bits of the film. Yes, and this was another case, like with the girlfriend, where when, uh, so just to clarify what happens, so uh, Arthur, he reads a letter that he finds that his mum has left on, on uh, a desk uh, in the house, and uh, the letter very explicitly states that uh, she believes, or at least that she knows that, um, that he is the son of Thomas Wayne, and that when she worked for Wayne Enterprises, uh, he was conceived, and uh, that Thomas Wayne is kind of brushed that under the rug and and um is refusing to help them but she's kind of begging for help and um and so and then he pursues that he goes to wayne manor he um he goes to see thomas wayne he goes to an asylum because apparently his mum was admitted into a into a state hospital i think it was gotham state hospital to look for records and he uh he receives this version from thomas wayne and from a uh, young Alfred that uh, his mom was actually crazy and that she uh, didn't know what she was talking about. Um, And he receives these records from the asylum that he gets in a somewhat comical uh, way. Um, And 
uh, he has this moment in in a stairwell where he he reads the um, reads what appears to be evidence for the fact that his mother was indeed um, insane. And not only is he not the son of Thomas Wayne, but he is uh, also adopted. Um, and even if that's not true, and the the movie again it leaves open the idea that that that's not true. Um, he at least appears to believe it when he's there um, in the stairwell reading um, reading the adoption papers. Now, when they... F- Sorry? And when he confronts Thomas Wayne, which you might be going into, so... Right, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, um, and so, uh, so, firstly, when he first reads the letter and when they introduce this idea that he was... Uh, Bruce Wayne's half-brother, straight up. Um, again, this was like with the girlfriend. This was, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, no, no, don't go there. Don't do that. Yep. No, yep. like, n- no. <laughs> yeah, no. I was, and I was so <laughs> glad that they, that they chased up that thread and gave you uh, more reason to doubt it than, than to believe it. But when, that, when he first, I was like, oh, no, like, just, just leave the, leave Batman out of this, <laughs> you know, just like yep. don't like. That was my initial reaction. What were your thoughts when you first? Uh, yeah, first. I that? I did not like the storyline one bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just like. Now I. I'm about to go on another one of my rants, and you'll get used to this if you listen to the podcast. I have. <laughs> when I watch them, so I get the fact that. Batman and Joker have this like unbreakable bond, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever Joker is defeated, Batman retires because he, there is almost no challenge. There is no reason for him to continue because his greatest, his his yin to his yang, his yeah. his opposite number is no longer participating, and and that kind of that's just kind of an almost symbiotic relationship they have in order to, in order to continue. They must be in orbit or around each other. Mm-hmm. I thought the idea to make them related was absurd. Just straight was, up absurd. It, it was cheap. It, w- it would have it, been a very cheap idea, wouldn't it? I, had they made it a real thing, yeah. I would have been immensely disappointed. Yeah. Now, it's, uh, it's almost poignant because I'm glad that they tied it up. Um, I'm glad that they made Thomas Wayne real. Right. They they took Thomas Wayne off a of pedestal a little bit and made him a little bit more controversial. Uh, they made him a little bit more lived in, a little bit more Gotham. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the whole idea of Thomas Wayne is that he's the best of of Gotham citizens and that he is mm-hmm. you know, a cut above the rest, and you know he's the he's the shining beacon of hope in the films, in the TV series Gotham, which is well worth a watch. You know, the Wayne's murders are the thing that drives the city to try and become better. In you know the Dark Knight trilogy, the Wayne's murders again is that that catalyst moment for the city to realize, flipping heck, what are we doing? We've just done something wrong. Um, and I mean, in a way, this film has made the Joker, Arthur Fleck, and Bruce Wayne related because it's the idea of the Joker, his movement, his ideology that took 
the poorest citizens of Gotham. Right. Yeah, yeah. That is what created the situation for the Waynes, and which will, as we know, will ultimately lead to Batman. Right. So they are connected by blood, um, blood spilt together. Very poetic. Um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but 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 the whole kind of, I guess it gave him a, it gave him some sort of motive, but I don't know what because he didn't do anything. Ha, ha, remove remove the Wayne storyline. What does that change in the film? Uh, in terms of how that affects his trajectory as the as the Joker. Yeah. Or... I mean, you know, you, well, I, I, I don't know. You could say you could say that his confrontation with Thomas Wayne in the bathroom, like, contributed to his his bitterness, and also obviously him yeah. finding out that he was not, um, or at least believing that he was not. Um, yep. um, but but they could have done that in other ways. It wasn't essential to that it, it had to be. It had to be Thomas Wayne, or had to be that linked in that way. Um, yeah, because like I mean, I get that you know that might fuel his hatred towards the rich. Yeah, yeah, and that whole sort of like class divide. But uh, I, I don't think, I don't think it added anything. No, yeah, I think that's where you're right. I think that they made it a part of the storyline, and it did cause some dominoes to fall. But in terms of just just looking at the film and looking at that as an element of it, did that then uh, make it a better film, make it more appealing? Yeah. Ah, nah. I mean, apart from like, I, I don't know, this idea that, that, that the protest that the Joker inspires ultimately lead to um, uh, the death of, of, of um, Bruce Wayne's parents, that, that was a relatively interesting thread. But yes, but the film could have not had that and I would have been absolutely fine. I, 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 and I, 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 and I got the sense and this is why I didn't like it when he read the letter that his, his mother left, um, was, was that I, I, I didn't like the fact that it seemed like, a a trick, a cheap trick to make people who are aware that the Joker and Batman are connected in the cinema go oh, no way oh my god like it, it was it was kind of like uh almost just kind of meant to be for the shock factor and then oh yeah. by the way that's not true um and it was like ah, we don't need that like <laughs> I, I i don't know it just like you say it didn't really add anything it didn't contribute massively to to the development um uh the fact that it was the waynes he could have had some other rich person that he had similar encounters to encounters with but but yeah so yeah i mean it, it would have made it would have made more sense that say his buildings were owned by the falcone and moroni family for example yeah that, yeah for example which if you don't know the batman mythology they're like the two biggest like crime families in a gotham and they kind of run the city through the different crime organizations so it, you know it could have been that you know he was a, a landlord to the falcones and you know they did something to his mother or they you know overpaid them or like over over taxed them and rent and all this kind of stuff i liked i liked the interaction with little bruce yeah um, lots of metaphor there kind of 
the gates yeah. that separated them. Um, yeah. You know, they were in the same color jacket and uh, mirrors yeah. of each other and all that. And... Yeah. And <sighs> yeah, that, that was interesting. He finds, he finds Bruce, even as a kid, too serious. Yeah. Um, but yeah. also, like, if you consider this Joker is never going to meet Batman because of the age divide. He's going to be like, a, he's going to be an old person who's retired and who has no ability to take on Batman at the time that he becomes Batman. So, like, there is that sort of. There was that divide. It was almost like he was um, looking at at a future that he can't participate in, and just kind of like touching that future mm. you know yeah yeah it, I, it's I, almost like like I, this mm. is this is something i can't experience this is something that the the later later me will all kind of deal with and i just want to like i just want to reach out and like almost touch through the cosmos of the the future mm-hmm. yeah no that's a very interesting take on that i i, I yeah i know i never really or, thought about or, that or maybe if we if we go with the thought that this film is part of his mentality. That's how he perceives Batman as a child, right? As as someone who is just a bit too serious, and that all he's trying to do is make Batman smile, right? And <laughs> and and the child is Batman's say most vulnerable state is when he has no little or no protection to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when he's got that the, that. Yeah, fear I mean, and, I've yeah. been thinking way too much into it, but is... <laughs> I probably am. Do you know what I think? I think that in doing so, you're 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 probably doing Todd Phillips a favour. I I I don't know. It's <laughs> it's 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 debatable. Probably it's worth doubting. Uh, it's doubtful that he um that he maybe put that much thought into that particular interaction. Um, but he's lucky enough that there are hardcore fans like yourself who who can project that into it and then he can always take the credit as if yeah no of course <laughs> if, if, not, if someone is listening to this and has a hotline to todd phillips send it his yeah. way um and see, <laughs> you can get in contact with us and see what he thinks uh, and it, if you also have such a hotline please feel free to also uh tell him from me that the hanger movies suck and that he should be ashamed of them um <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> that, so that's my um. <laughs> Do you know what though? What I do want to talk about though, with regards to this, is is um, the father issues that was a huge, and maybe this can be a good segue into perhaps the the mental illness themes of the film, because of course that was a huge, huge part of it, and I think one of the the uh, very well done parts of it uh, was how they depicted. Uh, the fact that he was a a very very mentally ill man, and not only that, someone that perhaps, and this is again a very controversial point, and we can discuss this as well, deserved your sympathy of some sort because there seemed to be so many tragedies in his life, both his mental state and what happens to him, that weren't his doing. Um, and 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 so with regards to that, with the whole idea of mental issues. Um, not that this is necessarily per se. Uh, this isn't. So he has this condition with with the fact that he laughs um, in situations where normal people wouldn't, particularly when he's when he's nervous or when he um, is actually thinking about something quite serious or when he's stressed. Uh, and he doesn't seem to laugh when other people um, do. And that's perhaps 
best depicted in the scene where he's listening to the comedian taking notes and he's laughing at all the wrong points and the audience are laughing at other points and at the right points, um, which was very well depicted. But, but, but it's clear that he has issues with the idea of a father figure. Uh, and it's clear that for whatever reason that there isn't one around, uh, at least in the point that we, we see him in, in the beginning of the film, it's just him and his mum. And it, it appears that it's been that way for a long time. Um, and, and so you have both Murray and you have Thomas Wayne, and he has what seems to be fantasies about both of these individuals um, as if they are his, either a father figure in Murray's case, but then in Bruce Wayne's, uh, sorry, in, in uh, Thomas Wayne's scenario, um, in case it, it's, it's a fantasy that he is his actual biological father. And, and whether or not that's a fantasy, it's something that he fantasizes about, whether or not it's, 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 it's true. Um, and I thought that, that both of those were very interesting. Uh, I thought the initial kind of daydream when he, at the beginning, when he daydreams about being on the show and, and how warm and nice Murray is to him, uh, when he wants it to be true that clearly that, that Thomas Wayne is his uh, father. It's interesting that he selects these two individuals as the potential father figures um, one being someone who he consistently watches on TV every night by the looks of it, um, who's someone who he clearly very, very much admires. And the other, like you say, with Thomas Wayne, who, who is perceived by most people, and there are a few news clips of this, who is perceived by almost everyone in Gotham as, um, or at least not the people who shot them, but who is perceived by lots of people in Gotham as um, this uh, morally pure philanthropist who can do no wrong and it's interesting that those are the two kind of father figures that he seems to desire and it's also very interesting then to see how his bad encounters with them seem to reinforce force his father issues and you know drive him on this kind of path of bitterness i don't know if you what you had to what you thought about that about those two kind of scenarios the the father figure it wasn't something that was like a lot in my mind. Maybe I read more into that one there. <laughs> Maybe you did. Like, like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, personally, I kept thinking about um, Jimmy Fallon whenever Murray <laughs> <laughs> was on screen. Um, <laughs> so uh, that, that that was my thoughts. Um, uh, when you watch the I Jimmy think... Fallon show, do you imagine yourself? being on the show and being embraced by him and uh, telling a no, joke. Sometimes, and... <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I, mean, I, I think I got so caught up in the whole Wayne family. Um, right. Drama. The Wayne family drama and storyline that I just didn't think about it. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, there, there was probably something in, in those choices that he makes in the fact that you know he chooses two very public figures, two very different, two you know two very inherently nice people, right? And aspects that he idolizes, you know, he idolizes the comedy and the love mm-hmm. that he receives from people and the niceness um, of Murray, and he also you know is envious of of the money and the wealth and the fame 
of Thomas and that he wants that. And of course, the connection of his family working for the Waynes, there's something owed there. So, you know, there is there is that aspect to it. Um, but it, it it wasn't something I thought about quite a lot. So fair enough. I mean, we all go into uh, into these things, and and um, I, this is one of the things that I love about films, that we love about films, um, is is that you know obviously different people can get different things out of films, and and the best films often speak to different people in different ways. I feel at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. The ones that you know uh, seem to, for some reason, answer questions that you you had going into them or um that that you're able to offload certain thoughts that you've had feelings that you've had into uh i think that if a film allows for that kind of space then as far as i'm concerned it's a very good film um so this is clearly one that i i perhaps that was more of a reflection of, of what i was thinking about I, not that i have i i don't think i have major father issues but um <laughs> but uh, you know uh, something that i um got out of it um but something similar to that and maybe something that we can talk about and i I think that this is something that that you um uh were aware of with the film and and something you noted as well as i did and something that's impossible to not know and that is uh well two things the question of one um the, the mental the kind of the psychological profile that they create for him um and two uh, the comment on society, on uh, class differences, on poverty, um, and with that, with both of those, the word that I, I couldn't, I, that kept resurfacing in my mind as I watched it and as I thought about it afterwards, is helplessness. In that, I thought at least, and you may disagree with me on this, but I, I thought that they created this, this fantastic, the portrayal was so good because they made it seem like he was so helpless in so many different ways. He was helpless because he had this mental, you know, this condition uh, that meant that he was constantly, you know, ostracized and uh, people thought he was weird. He was helpless because he was extremely poor and didn't have the economic means to, to kind of rise above that. Um, he was helpless because he didn't have the physical presence to be able to stand up to people that were beating him up. Um, and ultimately, for me at least, why I really actually quite enjoyed the film, uh, or thought it was very, very good, was because what they did was was make him take that helplessness and act, act out in a way that kind of got revenge, that actually did get him noticed, that did get him accepted in the end when he stood on top of the car with all the people around him. Um, but he did all of that through extreme, very kind of morally evil means. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. But, but, but yeah, okay, so uh, psychology, like the psychological profile that they create for him, the fact that they make him, the, the fact that they the comment on class and society and poverty, I, uh, what, what, are your, what were your thoughts on that? I think that that whole situation is really the the driving force behind the film yeah yeah exactly you know and so it's very key um all the violence all the the actions that he as a character takes as arthur and the joker is driven by um by the class and by the helplessness that he feels stuck in his position right 
Yeah, I know exactly. You know, he's he he's obviously had um and, and suffers from men, mental issues. Um, he's not getting the help that he needs. Yeah, that's and that's something you know, I forgot he, to mention. But yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. Huge. He absolutely in the in the film he is he is literally just gone. Map, there you go. You know, he's seen right. a, a therapist who is underfunded, understaffed, and doesn't really care because she's concerned about her job, as you know most people genuinely are. They're concerned yeah. about their own welfare. So he's just sort of forgotten, and his mother's in a situation, you know, where he she can't do anything for herself, and he, you know he's living in a terrible flat. If you consider just the fact that their post is guarded by a gate, right? Yeah, walk into a prison to receive his. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know the fact that the three people that he, um, the three people that he kills are wealthy. Yeah, um, they work for Thomas Wayne, and they work for Thomas yeah. Wayne, and so the fact that you know. And it's also if you, if you consider when he talks about that, when he you know he um, discusses with Murray that I kill those guys, right? And, and he, <laughs> he he, I don't know if he missed, I can't remember if he missed it to Murray or his his girlfriend. Air quotes um, that he killed people didn't bother him. That's that's when he's talking. I think when you uh, when he's talking to the archivist, or the the receptionist at uh, the yes. asylum, isn't it? Yes, at, at the asylum. Yes, he kills people. It doesn't bother him. Yeah. Now, is it because he killed rich people so that there's someone who are separate from him? They're almost like different. They're different creatures, different species to him. So it's not human. Um, or if it's his state of mind or whatever. But like, um, you know, he he just takes those people on and boom. Not not a problem, and. The world is, and and that's what causes the Gotham to break down. That the 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 poor see him as a hero, as a vigilante, as someone fighting right. for them. Finally, someone's on the side, and the rich see him as as a villain, as cruel, as needed justice, and we need to find what is going on. And even when, even when the police think that if they've got him, you know that those two police officers, um, who like trying to talk to him and, and hunt him down and all these kind of things. Even though they are, it seems like they are 90% sure that he is the man who killed them. Mm-hmm. They still make fun of him at the hospital with his mother. They, you, you don't ever hear them saying, I'm sorry, your mother had a stroke. Right. Yeah. You know, when they, when they see it, when he's sitting outside the hospital and he's smoking and they come up to him and they go, we need to talk to you. We spoke to your mother, but she went into, she had, an, she had some issues and we called the, we called the ambulance. They did, they, and they carry on almost like they don't care that, oh, we're sorry that we, we, we stressed her out and she went into a stroke. They don't even say that. Right. They just go, we need to talk to you more about this murders, which has nothing to do with your mother, which no one thinks you're connected to. We do forget that she could be dying. Let's talk about these murders we're we're, we're suspecting you of, mm-hmm. and they they mock him and they joke that you know he, he runs into um, the door, which you know, fair play to Joaquin, it's very hard to walk into a door like that, <laughs> yeah. knowing it's going to happen. <laughs> so um, that, that kind of and you always get the sense, especially when that imagery, that beautiful staircase that we see him go up. Yeah, we only ever see him ascend in Arthur Fleck personality and behaviors. Is just the fact that it's always an uphill battle. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's always something he's got to do and dredge up and, and you know, like one step after another. Here we go. Um, and if you look at the release he has descending those stairs, he's, mm. he descends, descends in his true form as the Joker. He's released and he has that sort of just like weight lifted and he's dancing about and having the time of his life. Um, because he's free. No, exactly. And also, interestingly, tying that into what you were just saying, at that moment, you have the two detectives who then look at him and look at him funny because they're seeing him descend in this way and they're like, what is that weirdo doing? Um, And so the mockery kind of continues, even then. Um, Yeah. So much of that was... uh, First of all, yes. Like, so much of what you just said was just so bang on. Um, and I love, I loved this imagery of the huge, the huge staircase. Um, yes. And this, um, the, like you say, this idea, I, did, I didn't, I, I knew that it was a metaphor. I didn't notice that explicitly every time that he was Arthur and he was sad and it, it represented uphill. And then he was, the only time he goes downhill is when he's in Joker form. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't really think about that. And that's, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Another thing as well, and, and Joaquin Phoenix has commented on this in interviews and, and whatnot, and it's very, very apparent, when he's Arthur, he's very, very kind of insular and awkward and in himself and contained and stretched and and uh, awkward. And then obviously, as shown through the metaphor, like metaphorically through the dance that he does, um, that's him feeling so much more free, so much more open so much more um himself i guess in a way when he is joker yeah um and i thought that was very very interesting um but yes coming back to this idea that he he just can't get away he's helpless and um you know like say even with the detectives he um was being uh, mocked and um and, and all of that and that causes him to act out and I think this is probably a very good time to talk about this. All of the all of these negative reviews, they see what the, the general thrust of all of them is that the film invites you to sympathize with the Joker and therefore sympathize with what he does as a result, which is inspire a very violent uprising uprising and himself shoot a number of people. Um, And the general thrust of these these reviews are um, someone could be watching this. They could say, do you know what? I agree with that. uh, A lot of the injustices that happened to this character were um, very unjust and that they are a reflection of society today. I experienced those uh, injustices um, and therefore I should act out in the same way. And I think you have to be so my apologies. You have to be so stupid to get that from the film, to think that it is endorsing what the Joker does. I don't know, you, like, I, I just don't know how you can get that from it. Like, what's, but, but, but what is brilliant about it is that, is that he is very much, you know, he is embittered by very real problems that we experience. And, but that was the beauty of it. I, I, I liked the fact that I could empathize with him 
I liked the fact that it was a comment on society in many ways, on inequality, um, on the state of the mental, like of the health of health systems, uh, on this idea of helplessness. Yes, we can all empathise with that. But equally, what he does as a result was meant to be shocking, and was meant to be villainous. It wasn't like the film was saying. And he was in the right for doing so. And so I don't know. So I just had to get that off my chest. I, I just, I, I just don't, I just don't feel like any of those reviews are justified uh, for that reason. I, I don't know what you think on this, but no, I see. Yeah, I agree. Um, that, that I think that those the, those reviews are so exaggerated. It's unreal. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I was sitting there Saturday morning reading reviews and reading like articles and things and people were saying like I had to walk out of the film I was so disturbed I was like by what? disturbing <laughs> you so much that you can't sit there because he kills you see him kill one two three four five six five. people okay. six people his mother yeah yeah always forget I always forget his mother you yeah. see him kill six people one of those one of those murders is violent uh, in terms of uh, the, 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 with the scissors. Are, yeah, the scissors and his mother are exceptionally violent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no, obviously, we don't condone violence in, in any sense on this podcast. We're not saying that we ever do. Nope. But... <laughs> That's an important disclaimer to have uh, in this uh, yeah. podcast. But this is fiction, okay? And we're talking about it in the sense of fiction. So put your fiction heads on when you're listening to this. <laughs> you know, only two of those deaths in fictional sense in the in, in, in movies going are actually violent. It's the first three, okay, the first two, self-defense. The third one, he was just seeing red. He was he was on the go, he was defending himself and he was mad. And he flipped a switch and he and he and he made sure that guy was punished for his actions. <laughs> You know, the scissors was violent. The, the smothering of your mother was violent. And killing Murray was just going to happen. The minute he went on, he, the minute yeah, he walked. Yeah, it was pretty clear. It was going to happen. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. But the fact that people are going, oh my gosh, I can't sit here and watch this. With what? Can you not handle a bit of tension? Have you never seen The Walking Dead or Chernobyl or anything like, you know, that's big on TV right now? Um, and I think you made a very good point in the fact that the reason that people are terrified this film is inciting violence is because we are in a terrible class state in the world and that the divide between the rich and the poor is getting worse and the rich are making it worse. And so the the themes that this film is hitting, the themes that the Joker is um, creating an, an ideology against in this film really hit home. Mm-hmm. And that is why people are like, oh my gosh, this is disturbing. This is so like, violent and aggressive and people shouldn't watch it. It's because they recognize their own life in that film. Mm-hmm. You, you are sitting there in that film and you think, I am either Thomas Wayne or Arthur Fleck. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that is... And, and that's uncomfortable, film, you know. The... Yeah. Gives you something to relate to. And the film doesn't. Uh, it doesn't glamorize Arthur Fleck's no, life. Not it in shows the it in the hopeless, poor state that he is. And even when he is released from that and becomes a Joker, he is still not inherently happy. Right. He's no, yeah, that's a good point. He is, he is chaotic and he is himself, but he's not happy. No, he's you know? just kind of authentic. He's just kind of, yeah. like you say, himself, but 
but yeah, it's not like it's all sunshine and daisies and yeah. Absolutely. And so I think I think the the whole controversial media thing um is blown out of way proportion. Now I I really want to make a statement on this podcast that, that we're talking about is of course there was a terrible tragedy during one of the Batman shows where a masked man in, in Texas, I believe, shot a bunch of people in the cinema during a, a Batman screening. Mm-hmm. And it all and you know, people always think it's it's related to the Joker. And whether that's true or not, I don't know the facts to comment. But I don't think a film like Batman or Joker would incite such violence. And obviously what happened there was terrible. And it's a big thing that, you know, people say that some survivors wrote letters saying that, you know, don't watch this film, it's too violent. But there has been more violent films before The Joker, and there'll be more violent films after The Joker, which people like and people follow, and it won't be an isolated incident. And so, you know, we're not condoning any actions, we're not endorsing mm-hmm. anything, um, just because I know that, you know, the internet like to make trouble. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. I think that's very, very important to uh, to clarify. Um, but, but yeah, I think that we're we're both in agreement on this. That that you just, you know, uh, there's just as I see it, there's no substance to these uh, accusations. And it, you know, as uh, understandably, what gets media attention are extreme claims, uh, yeah. and these are extreme claims, and we're talking about them now, and they're at the top of our newsfeed, and. Even people who strongly disagree with them are still interacting with them, and and so I see this probably more likely as a um, you know a, a media kind of storm in an attempt to get clicks. All of this, you know, all of that. We can uh, we should maybe just do a separate podcast about media and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I just think it's good that we clear the air on that one and uh, and just make it clear where we stand because it's the same place and it's that these reviews are completely unsubstantiated and, um, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. So I'm going to say my, my final words on the film and we really summarise what I thought, um, if you don't mind. Please, um, go ahead. The fact that this film is still risky in creating mm. this kind of Joker origin, which for the less... Um, less uh, involved, less what's the word I'm looking for? Less invested. That's the one. The less mm-hmm. invested people might consider this how the Joker came to be. Right. It's a very slow burn. In times, I think it's too slow. Um. And it and it it pays off ninety five seventy five percent. You know. I like what he does. I like the idea that it kind of creates that the Joker is an ideology more than it is a person, which I think mm-hmm. is very good. Um, but... And I like that they made it a mental battle for mm-hmm. the audience as much as is for Arthur. Um, Joaquin was good. But for me, it didn't have enough Joker in it. I think it lost out by making Joker the climax because of the end of the film. Mm -hmm. Because 
it peaked too late. And yeah. I, I, I was left thinking, oh, I, I could have done with more of him. I could have done with more of the Joker. I enjoyed it. It was good. It was a, a very complex, in-depth character study. And, you know, provides many more layers to the Joker, which I love because an experience of the Joker is always a good experience for me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't even crack my top three of Jokers. Can, can you perhaps reveal? Because I'm maybe I can guess first and then you can reveal, reveal your top three um, when it, with regards to Jokers, just real quick. Yeah. I'm guessing that Heath Ledger is number one. Of course. Absolutely. Okay. I'm also guessing that Mark Hamill would be number two. Absolutely. Or... Yes. Mark Hamill is number two. And he's okay. only number two because Heath Ledger's performance was so great. If Heath Ledger hadn't had an, the, one of the most defining cinema experiences of all time, Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill would be number one. Heath Ledger would not be there. But okay. Heath Ledger's experience was so undeniable that Mark Hamill is number two because of his fantastic work in video and games and mm -hmm. shows he absolutely is number two joker okay number three i have i have no idea i don't even know that much about other jokers my i would have a guess at jack nicholson but maybe that's wrong nope it's not jack nicholson the actual number three is cameron monaghan from the gotham tv show ah okay Okay. So he plays he plays a proto Joker and the Joker, which again okay. said spoilers. If you haven't watched Gotham, it's in there. <laughs> um, and that is a fantastic look at the Joker, and he plays both roles very very well. Um, so Cameron, maybe controversially, I don't know, is my third. Jack Nicholson is fourth. Um, I would put then Joaquin fifth. This is very controversial. Jared Leto, sixth, and probably Cesar Romero, because I've had the least exposure to him last. Okay. I, I, I don't know enough about all of those to to, uh, to even offer up a list. But, I'm sure but... if sure there's any huge DC fans, they're going to slate me for that, but that is my opinion. <laughs> you know enough. what? Well, and, and so, so, yeah. So, summary, for you, it doesn't, it doesn't, his performance doesn't go kind of top three for you. Uh, the film had admirable characteristics. You acknowledge it as, uh, you know, an acceptable contribution to uh, Joker lore, but ultimately it was it was lacking a bit too much for you. Would that be yeah. a summary? It, it didn't give me enough of right. who it's about. Right. Well, Fair I don't enough. shun it. I don't shun it. I um, I obviously went into this with a lot less investment in Joker as the as a character than than you have, um, yeah. and I think because of that, I perhaps enjoyed it more because I was less attached to other incarnations of the Joker, less familiar with um, the comic books, less familiar with uh, some of the cartoons. Uh, I I am a huge admirer, obviously, as everyone is, of Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight. Um, I don't think that this presented a Joker as interesting and as brilliant as that. I certainly wouldn't go as far as to say that. But equally, I, I felt that this was a, a very, very good um, incarnation. I, I, and for me, what was the, the, the true kind of... Um, meat of the film and the best part of it for me w was the um, 
was the comments about society, was the whole exploration of mental illness, of helplessness, uh, was the whole idea of lacking father figures. To me, I wasn't that bothered about the Batman-related stuff, um, I, even though that seemed to be a key element of the film. I was much more interested in it as kind of this character study, this this deep, intense um, exploration of how this um, man ends up doing unspeakable acts and taking on this persona that is is uh, so different to who he is from uh, in his day to day life. Um, so o- overall, I that is that is the side of it that I enjoyed the most. I could have done without the the Wayne related stuff. I but I I really actually quite enjoyed that. And and for me, thinking about all that the, in the days afterwards has only made it better for me. And and I. I I found myself there were a few points in the film where I almost wanted to cry. I I like as in out of like pity and sympathy like when when he's in the hospital and he sees on the TV uh Murray making uh taking the mick out of him uh when he goes up and he tries to do jokes for the first time but he can't stop himself from from laughing uncontrollably. Um I I I felt this pathos, this kind of empathy that I just that for me was a layer to the film that I thought was very impressive. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my summary of my thoughts. Shall we give scores? I get a feeling they're going to be different. Uh, uh, do you want to go first? <laughs> yes, I will probably give it probably a a late seven. So the bus is a little bit late. Okay, but it's still pretty. It's pretty, it's a new like it's a new bus. So I'd give okay. it like a, a seven seven buses, but a late seven. The bus is late. Okay, seven. Okay, we're gonna have to come up with with the proper system. But for now, okay. So so uh, so a late. It's a new bus. It's late and seven. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not confusing enough. Okay, good. Um, I, I guess the whole idea of decimal places doesn't really work very well for, with buses. Um, but it's, I, it's, no, I think it's more like late or early. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. I, I like that. So, so, so I, I would give it. I would give it an an early eight. Um, so, so we're close. So we're close. We are, we are. We are. We are close. Uh, to be fair, that's as close as you can be. I guess in our new steps, isn't it? In terms yeah. of uh, uh, increments, that's that's the next one. So yeah, I would give it an early eight. I, I that's quite high. Um, I think that we should have a whole thing about scoring. Um, we should discuss that because. Um, it, I, that's actually quite high for me. And I'm, I, I'm personally surprised that I would give it that. I, I rarely, rarely think of things as, as eight, eight out of tens, mainly inspired by the whole kind of like, uh, threshold of eight on IMDB, which seems to be anything eight and above is reserved, like for like really fantastic classics. That seems to be the threshold. Um, though there are exceptions to that, but, um, but yeah. yeah. So That's... we will adapt the podcast as we go along because yeah. this is new for us, as it is for anyone listening. So things might change. And also one final disclaimer, and I'm already thinking about this. I, this, I think that every single podcast, we should add the disclaimer that this does not represent our full thoughts on the matter. There are other things that we've missed, things that we haven't discussed that might be important to people. Uh, you know, I... There are so many elements of the film that I'm really thinking about that we haven't, you know, necessarily touched on. 
But um, so this is in no way hours long. Exactly. No way comprehensive. This is just, um, you know, uh, our thoughts right now in this conversation. Uh, And hopefully it's a good chunk of 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 the overall uh, (laughs) our overall thoughts and the film overall. So, yeah. Well, this is our stop. Yep. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for taking this journey with us. But we gotta go, we gotta go home now. So um, hopefully we'll see you uh, on this bus at some other time. Yes. Hopefully. Take care. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll see you next time.